Hello, everybody. Welcome to this convention prep episode of Beware the Board, a horror podcast where we watch a randomly selected horror movie every week. I'm Bob. And I'm Ben. (laughs) So, uh, today, we're not doing our normal shtick. We're doing our new normal shtick, where we watch a convention prep episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A movie for the convention. You sound like Lord. Huh? You sound like Lord. Like the singer? Yeah. You're like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God damn it. All right. Uh, I'm sorry. We're getting off track already. No, uh, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine, Ben. Yeah. Dude, I got these red so, stains in my pants. This is horrible. <laughs> sorry. Stop playing with your crotch. Stop playing with my crotch. It's called blood, Bob. Oh. <laughs> the red stains. Damn. Um. Oh, my God. Wow. No, really off track. Yeah. All right. We're not doing our regular, uh, you know, weekly episodes. We're doing convention prep again. You should know that if you're here, because this is coming out on a Wednesday. Which almost never happens. Yeah. Wednesdays are the rarest drop. Mondays, right now, pretty normal. Saturdays, pretty normal. Wednesdays? Rare. A rare Wednesday episode. So, uh, you know, if you've been here for the other two episodes, we're finishing the Dead trilogy with Day of the Dead. I'm excited. Which is my personal favorite out of the three. Well, maybe that night might be my favorite, but that's just obligatory. Yeah, I'm excited to watch Day because I like Dawn, I like Night, so I'm excited to finish the third one, yeah. to get all the way through all three. So that's what we're watching today. Are you ready to get into it? Sure. Cool. All right, so this one comes out in 1985. Okay, so what's that? The last one came out in 1978. 78, so almost 10 years. Almost. Seven years. Okay. That's almost. If you round up, that's almost 10 years. Yeah, but no one rounds up like that. I thought you were just going... Yeah, it's like 10 years. <laughs> I said almost, you fucking dweeb. <laughs> I know, but I, th- I thought you were doing almost as in like almost, almost. I thought you were going to be like, yeah, it's like nine and some change. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> stupid. <laughs> I may be stupid, but I'm not dumb. It just, that's the exact same thing you'd say if someone, if a film was like 11 years old. Usually if it's below 10, you say whatever number. Yeah. Well, I just said that because uh, Night and Dawn are 10 years apart exactly. That's fair. And I was kind of expecting him to do the same thing again, but I don't know, you know, whatever. Yeah, no, he he apparently started writing the script for this film right after Dawn, because as we said, it was super successful. Yeah. Like, I think the most successful out of this uh, trilogy. Made a lot of money. A lot, a lot, a lot of money. So he started writing a script right away, but he didn't make the film right away. Yeah. Uh, he did two movies in between uh, Dawn and Day. Dang. So I believe they were Creepshow and Night Riders. Mm. I've expressed interest in Creepshow. I don't know what Night Riders is. Think about knights on motorcycles. Oh, that's actually kind of awesome. So, you ready to get into it? Yeah. Description. The end is nigh. Okay. Yeah. Length. An hour and 41 minutes. Classic Romero movie. Too bad All we're not watching this at 6 a.m. Thank God. Thank Christ we're not watching this at fucking 6 in the morning. Rating. Not rated. Awesome. Woo. That might be my favorite rating of film is unrated. Every time. I mean, sometimes it's just because people don't pay for it. Sure. Sometimes it's because they don't want to get an NC-17 rating. There it is. That's usually my reasoning for liking them more is because they can include a lot more because they're not constricted by the rating. Well, they're not. So that's not true. You can include just as much as you would with an NC-17 rating. The difference is you're just deciding not to go in rated. Hmm. Okay. Wait, so NC-17, you can basically include whatever you want? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's a scale. There's no upper limit to what you can put in the film, basically. Oh, so that's the top of the scale. Yeah. Okay. Not rated is just you didn't get a rating from the MPAA. 
So is there a reason? Like, what is the benefit of going unrated rather than NC-17? Um, You don't have the, like, stigma of being NC-17. Okay. Interesting. Like, straight up. That's th- that's the only benefit I know of. Also, you don't have to pay the MD- MPAA to review your film. Fair enough. But yeah, I think it's to avoid getting that rating. Because, like, I think some movie theaters won't show NC-17 movies. Yeah, but you would think that some movie theaters wouldn't show unrated films. Yeah, but I think they're more willing to. That's interesting. Okay. I mean, small showing still. Like, you're basically not going to get any into any theaters on a, on a not-rated. Yeah. But still. Also, I don't know what the logistical approach is, though, for, like screenings because nc-17 means it's uh like what i forget what the actual definition is do you know what it's like not i don't know something no children 17 or something maybe i don't know it's basically you have to be 17 year olds years old or older to like see the film yeah period like you can't even go in with an adult like r-rated yeah and so i know that's the case for nc-17 i don't know what the case is for unrated that restriction might not be there. Yeah. I mean, that would make sense from a money standpoint. First of all, you're not paying the MPAA, so you're saving money there. But also, there's no, like, restriction on who can see your film. Therefore, more people can buy tickets. Yeah, if theaters are willing to screen. Screen unrated, but I don't actually know if they do. Like, uh, I can't remember. Terrifier 2 unrated? I don't remember. The box is up there. You could look. I would expect that film to be unrated. There's no way that's fucking rated R. Like, if that's not unrated, I'll be highly surprised. So they were screening unrated films. Like Terrifier 2 and stuff. So, I don't know. Yeah, that's a film I'd see being NC-17. For sure. (laughs) Yeah. The fact that it was unrated probably means there was less restrictions on it. Yeah, and anyone could go see it. I actually don't know. That's not something I've looked into. But I know that there's, like, reasons you choose to be not rated. Yeah. And I know Romero has chosen to do that for, like, his films. At least in the Dead trilogy. Mm Mm-hmm. Except for the first one. I I don't think that was an option. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Just because he didn't pay. All right, moving on. I love NPAA talk. (laughs) It's always fun. It's always interesting. Because it's like bureaucracy behind art. Oh, the bureaucracy. Uh, review scores. IMDb gave it a 7.1 out of 10. Pretty good. Tomato Meter gave it an 86%. Oh, yeah. Audience score 75. Oh, okay. Has two wins. Notable actors. Lori Cardile as Sarah. Uh, she was Francine in The Last Call. Terry Alexander as John. He was Flip in Conspiracy Theory. Jarlith Conroy as McDermott. Uh, he was The Undertaker in True Grit, the 2010 remake. Uh, which great, great Western. I don't know if you've ever seen True Grit. I've never seen True Grit. The original or the remake. Nope. Are they both good? Yeah. Oh, wow. I like them. I just like True Grit. It's fun. Joseph Pilato as Rhodes. Uh, he was Dean Martin in Pulp Fiction. I haven't seen Pulp Fiction. And this is, what is this, two movies in a row with people from Pulp Fiction? Yeah. Damn. Anthony Dilio Jr. as Miguel. He was Vandal in Monkey Shines. We've talked about that. Isn't that another Romero movie? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Richard Liberty as Logan. He was Mr. Howard in Flight of the Navigator. Uh, Sherman Howard as Bub. Uh, he was Dr. Diets from The Stand. Uh, he was only in the one episode, though, but that's a TV miniseries. Ah, okay. Gary Howard Clark as Steel. Uh, he was Longshoreman in Trading Places. Ralph Marrero as Rickles. He was the cabbie from the segment Lot 249 in Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. John Amplis as Ted Fisher. Uh, he played Martin in Martin. Philip G. Kellums as Miller. Uh, he played Nikolai in A Promise Kept, the Oksana Bau story. Whoa. Figure Skater Olympics. Oh, okay. Uh, Tasso N. Stavrakis as Torres. Uh, he did stunts on The Mask of Zorro. And finally, Greg Nicotero as Johnson. Uh, he did makeup department on The Walking Dead. He was there from 2010 to 2022. Oh, okay. For 177 episodes. Holy shit. Yeah. 
I can't imagine being on a makeup like crew for a show like that. He's that's insane. One of the biggest special effects people in the business nowadays. Yeah, I mean, because like that's so much makeup to put on so many. Like the number of zombies in that show. Oh well, yeah, I mean, he's the. I believe he's the N and K and B Entertainment. This super famous special effects studio nowadays. Oh, okay, that's cool. He's super big. Writer director George A. Romero. Uh, he's also written and directed The Dark Half. 1993 budget is estimated at 3.5 million okay which compared to the last film which was uh 650,000 yeah that's a, a lot higher. more money to mess with yeah and box office so this is a little bit weird i think this is a good example of the information i have is not always exact right sure so for like actual box office sales like just at theaters what i found was 5 million oh yeah so doubles but not good. Yeah, it it's not. It didn't print money like Dawn of the Dead did. No, it did pretty bad in comparison. In as a film, it didn't do that bad. But for this director and yeah. compared to the last one of the series, it did really bad. Additionally, and I think this is important to note though that like I did find statistics on like the sales for international plus like VHS and everything. Yeah, like a more inclusive sales, and it says thirty four million. So I'm not sure how accurate that's that way was. better. But that's including like home video sales. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and I don't know the time period for that. Yeah, like what period they're including up to what year? But I'm I thought sure people. Still buy uh, like copies of this movie to this day. Yeah, I I just wanted to mention that. But yeah, five million is basically what it was from like a standpoint Purely. of like I'm a person who works in Hollywood. Let me look at what this film made. Oh, it made five million dollars. That's a yeah bad bad bad. That's thing. a bad turnout. A country of origin, United States, uh, also known as George A. Romero's Day of the Dead. So that's the U.S. complete title. One of the titles I saw that I thought was interesting, or at least I thought you would think was interesting. In West Germany, it was Zombie 2. <laughs> Not again. Because I think the last film was, I think Dawn was just zombie in West Germany. Yeah. Kind of an Ugh. interesting And take. then there's also the Italian Zombie 2. There's a bunch of weird shit with the, the timeline. Yeah, the timeline's all fucked up. All right, so the tagline I'm going to give you is the tagline that's on, like, the super common poster. Okay. I saw some other ones, but it's one of those things where, like, this tagline's super cool, but I don't know what poster it's from. So I'm just going to give you the one on the super super common uh, poster. Okay. First there was Night of the Living Dead, then Dawn of the Dead, and now the darkest day of horror the world has ever known, mm. Day of the Dead. It's a little long, but it's not bad. Yeah, it's a super, super cool uh, poster. Uh, I might show it to you before the movie because it's not like spoiler. I was going to ask, does it have spoilers uh, on it? <laughs> it has like three different colors, and the first one's like dark. Like, it's nighttime, and it has the first was night. Yeah. And then there's one with, like, the sun rising, and it's, like, then was dawn, and then the big poster is the day. Oh, that's actually really cool. That's quite cool. It's basically a call-out telling you, like, hey, this is the third film in a trilogy, and we built up to it. Yeah. All right, I don't have a lot of facts about this film, but what I do have is, first of all, Romero deemed this his favorite of the Evil Dead, like, or not the Evil Dead, the Dead trilogy. Nice. At least his original one. This was his favorite. But the big facts I have focus on the fact that this film went through some production mishaps. Oh, no. Not like bad mishaps. Okay. Just like it. there was a, a struggle to get it to screen. Okay. Uh, first of all, five scripts of this film were written from Holy what I could find. fuck. That's a lot of scripts. No one's been able to find like the original script, but apparently it was over 200 pages long, and it got cut down to like 122 or something. No way. So it got cut down a lot. That's a lot of cutting. And... The reason for that has to do with budget constraints. Mm. So apparently Romero wanted the original film to be like 
an epic. I kept seeing this quote where he described it as gone with the wind of zombies. It's like the <laughs> the gone of the wind of zombie films. Yeah. But I think there's a there's a clip of who was it? I think it was uh Tom Savini saying that the original script was kind of like Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark from zombies. <laughs> Just in like how wild it was. That sounds awesome though. But he essentially would have needed more money for that film. Yeah. And the studio was like, okay, we can give you money, but for, like, the turnout we want, if we give you this much money, we're going to have to demand it's, like, an R-rated film. Oh, no, see. And Romero didn't want to do that. That's fair. Respectable. So he decided to make it an R-rated film and take a budget cut. So the original budget, from what I could find, was $7 million, and it got cut in half to $3.5 million, mm. but he had more creative control. So, like, throw in as much gore and stuff as he wanted. Yeah, I think that's worth it. Yeah, except, so from what I can find, part of the reason this film didn't do so good is, uh, you know, back in the day when he released Dawn and, like, Night, there was a lot more independent movie theaters, like, a lot more, which was great because independent movie theaters were more willing to show unrated films. Yeah. It's been, what, like, 17 years since his first, since night. Yeah. And the film business had changed. Oh, yeah. And there was a lot less independent movie theaters. Yeah, we're in the midst of the 80s, man. Mm Mm-hmm. And from what I could find, essentially what happened is, like, because there wasn't so many independent theaters, a lot of people weren't willing to show this film because it was unrated. Yeah. So it basically kind of flew under the radar. I was looking at some, like, uh, reviews people wrote of this film, and a lot of people were like, yeah, when this film came out, I didn't hear a lot about it. Like, all I heard was the makeup, like, the zombies look good, but that's about all I heard mm-hmm. compared to, like, Dawn, which was a lot bigger. Yeah. And apparently that's the reason from what I could find for that. Damn. Is it because it was unrated and because of the, the movie, like, culture at the time, it just didn't show. That really, really that sucks, man. probably primarily what impacted the sales, not the actual content of the movie. That can be rated afterwards, but I like <sighs> it. That makes me sad, man. That's what I got, but before we get into the movie, I want to mention something. Sure. Because the point for this whole thing that we're doing... <laughs> Is that this is convention prep. Yeah. And if you noticed in the last two episodes, we haven't mentioned anyone who's showing up at a convention. Well, we, well, Tom Savini's going to be there, and he did the makeup in Dawn. Oh, thanks for spoiling that, Bob. Fuck you. Well, I thought yeah. we had... It wasn't there another person? Well, I was going to do it. Fuck well, you. Well, I thought we already... I already said Fuck that. Fuck you. I said that last episode. You might have, actually. I don't know. I didn't spoil anything. Fuck we already you. talked about that. But yeah, Tom Savini's going to be there. But the real reason we're watching the whole trilogy is because a bunch of people that are in this movie are going to be at the convention we're going to. Not a yeah. bunch, but a good amount. Um, So I have the list right now. So I will read that to you. Okay. But yeah, I Tom Savini, I think we mentioned that on the last episode. That's why I said it. I we forgot. Already talked about it, man. This is what I deal with. This motherfucker always Fuck shitting you, on me. Piece Fuck of shit. You. shit on you. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lori Cardell is going to be there, Terry Alexander, Jarlith Conroy, John Amplis, Greg Nicotero, and Tom Savini are all going to be there. Holy shit, that's actually quite a few people. Yeah, and Greg Nicotero and Tom Savini are special effects guys. Okay, that's cool. I actually, I would like to meet Tom Savini, just just off having seen Dawn of the Dead. And not Nicotero? He's pretty big now, too. Well, yeah, he is big, but like... No, you'll like him, too, because he does, uh, again, I think it's called K&B Effects. Yeah. It's K and B something, but it's it's basically this big studio, and they've done work on a ton of stuff. Yeah, like basically all the guys in that studio kind of met on this film, or at least a couple of them did. That's real cool. So this kind of film is sort of responsible for their careers really taking off. But I think it's just cool to mention that because like they've done a lot of horror movies, like a lot, a lot, and they do good work. All right, that's all I got. Okay, I guess we'll see you all after the movie. 
Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We just finished watching Day of the Dead. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs down, Bob. Thumbs up. Okay. <laughs> I figured. I'm cackling. I fucking... You can't see it because it's an audio podcast. I have, like, the biggest sheeted and grin on my face right now. Yeah, Bob went through a, a roller coaster of emotions. But we'll get to out. that. He came, he came out having a good time. I think I'm just going to describe the plot of this. Yeah. <laughs> so we can get into talking about it. Please. <laughs> I love you. are just like, please. Please. Please, sir. Please. I just want to talk about it. All right. Um, the plot's pretty simple. The film basically starts off with a couple characters in a helicopter flying over a city. And I think this is immediately a throwback to the ending of Dawn. Where yeah, we have our two characters flying away to supposed safety in a helicopter, or at the very least, um, places unknown. And so, like, this is an immediate callback that, even though we know time has passed, it feels like starting off right where we left. Mm-hmm. I almost thought we were. I almost thought it was going to be Peter and uh, Judy, or not Judy. Is her name Judy? I don't remember her name. Fran. Is it Fran? It's Fran. Fran. I don't know why I said Judy. Fran and Peter in a helicopter. I went, oh, nope, different people. Yeah. Um, but they're flying over the city, and... They land, and two of them get out, uh, Sarah and Miguel. So Sarah is, we eventually learn, a scientist, mm-hmm. and Miguel's a soldier. And they get out and leave the other two in the vehicle, who are John and McDermott, uh, who we might call Billy because that's his first name. Yeah, or Bill, it's, it's depending. It's interestingly enough mentioned in the film, but he's not credited as that. Yeah. Which is... Bizarre because he's one of the few, few characters with like a first and last name in yeah. the entire film. Um, but they stay in the helicopter because very specifically, John's like, I'm not paid enough to like, <laughs> I'm not paid to a land. Yeah. And so I'm definitely not getting out of the helicopter. And McDermott is McDermott's running the radio. Yeah. And he's also best friends with John. So they, he's sticking in the helicopter like a smart guy. Yeah. But long story short, Miguel and Sarah like walk down the street. And immediately we can tell it's a different world than Dawn because it's just so more run down. And there's a bunch of, like, jump cuts, I think, as the credits are rolling over them, to show how just end of the world everything is. Yeah. Like, there's no people around. There's trash everywhere. Like, cars are broken down. Uh, we see a skeleton being overrun with fiddler crabs. Yep. There's a, there's a freaking mud puppy. <laughs> There's an alligator just walking the streets like he owns the place. No, he came out of the bank. He didn't come out of the bank. And Miguel's on a, a, a air horn just screaming for people. Like, hey, is anyone here? Is yep. anyone alive in this city? And I, I do want to mention that McDermott was doing that on the radio. He was just like, hey, can anyone hear us? Because that's why they were flying around. Just they're looking for literally any survivors. Yep. And we see someone shuffle onto screen like a shadow. And it's a zombie. And it's this big reveal of not only is there no people here, but there's hundreds upon there are hundreds. Fuckload of zombies. Of zombies. And I want to say right off the bat, Bob, pretty great. Oh, yeah, it's real cool. That's a very cool first zombie to see. To see. Not even that, but like just the zombies in general. Oh, yeah, they're great. They're I, fantastic. Like, not the. I don't want to like shit on the zombies in uh, Night of the Living Dead or Dawn of the Dead. But the the day zombies are so, so much better. See, I don't even think that that, they're better than the dawn zombies. But I would say it's a difference of, they're on a similar level, but the the day zombies are so much more refined in the way they look and act and feel. I'd say professional is the word. Yeah. Also, I I just want to note that, like, 
the big problem I have with the Dawn zombies is I think a, a gripe a lot of people has, which is the coloration of See, the skin. I thought the coloration it was very similar. It is, but it's not as basically the the Dawn zombies are very like bluish gray, mm-hmm. and I don't think that color choice for a zombie is necessarily bad. It's just too vibrantly bluish gray in the dawn, and it's a lot more like pallid gray. Yeah. Basically, the color didn't come out the way they wanted it to mm-hmm. in dawn. I, I I think I've heard an uh, interview with Savini basically saying that. Like, it didn't come out how he wanted it to, and it came out this time, and I like it a lot better. Yeah. It looks a lot less vibrant, but the big thing with these zombies is they're a lot more detailed and, like, injuries yeah and uniqueness in that way so even though they have that same general vibe that the zon zombies have they're a lot more brutal and refined it's Mm -hmm. so good they're they're really fucking good also the zombies make noise in this one Mm -hmm. i don't know if you noticed the dawn zombies don't really make noise yeah they really don't but the day zombies groan and scream Mm -hmm. and so good so cool because there's just this early scene of john and McDermott are talking, and John's like, can you hear them? And it's like the first reveal that they make noise, and just them yeah. screaming over the rotor blades of this uh, helicopter. I think that's the best line, is like when John goes, you can hear them over the engine of the helicopter. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just so menacing, but in a, like, slow, theatrical way. Yeah. But, yeah, basically all the zombies are coming. So Miguel and Sarah book it back to the copper. Copper. Chopper. <laughs> and they take off, and we get to see... Uh, basically some aerial shots of the chopper flying over the Florida Everglades and they land in what is essentially a bunker it's a it's a fenced off helicopter landing pad and there's a I don't know like elevator that's flushed with the ground Mm -hmm. and so they all get off the helicopter and they take this elevator down into what is a giant like cavern I didn't write it down so I, I can't like say for sure but if I remember right it's like an old like limestone mine and stuff like it's it's that's where they filmed it's it's one in real life and it looks like it uh we have one of those things down where we live Mm -hmm. but it's basically one of these huge huge artificial underground caverns that's been converted into a bomb up like a bomb shelter Mm -hmm. uh, assumedly for like cold war stuff because this takes place in the 80s and from what i know that's not like an uncommon thing like i i know the one by us can do that too um additionally like Big underground caves like that are usually used to store stuff. And they say it later in the film that it's used as, like, uh, record storage for, like... Mm -hmm. Like military database stuff. Military, but also, like, last of humanity kind of stuff. Like, they say film negatives and stuff are down there. Basically, it's a a cultural archive and, like, an actual bunker for, like, Cold War stuff. Pretty stereotypical. But that's where most of the movie takes place, basically, is in this underground bunker. I would say... <clears throat> basically 90%. all of it except for that intro and um i love that setting it's so interesting it's so dark and claustrophobic and just artificial mm-hmm. uh but more importantly it's just barren in a way that matches this tone because this film exemplifies the fact that like this is the end this is it just that intro where it's like there's no people around but the follow through of they get back to the base and it like it, this is a military operation this is a military base, and how many people are there? Twelve. Twelve. Twelve people are left. And what, three of them aren't even military? Yeah, uh, no, five, five of them. Yeah, you're right, five. Five of them aren't military. So there's seven soldiers. Seven soldiers. For the whole base. And the non-military people are Logan, 
Fisher, McDermott, McDermott, John, John, and Sarah. Yeah, uh, and everyone else is military, and it's just a very bleak situation because they've basically been trying to get contact with the outside with literally anyone. That's what they were doing in the helicopter. We learn is taking it out, flying like a hundred miles down in the both coast, both directions, in both directions, just like with McDermott on the radio going, "Hey, can anyone hear us?" Because the mainland's lost power at this point. Um, they have a really great line in the film that, like, uh, what is it? Like, the mainland's lost power. All the shopping malls are closed, which is this yeah. great line establishing the fact that, like, the world of Dawn is over. Like, this is some time has passed since the end of Dawn, mm-hmm. which is already, what, like, nine, ten months? Yeah, it's been after a while. night, but there's just no one because they can't reach anyone. It's it's implied that there's other people left. They just who they knows don't have they radios are. or whatever. But really what the film is from this point with everyone in the bunker is the slow fallout because the person who is in charge of the military side of this operation, uh, because it is a research project to potentially find a cure for the zombie stuff, or at the very least research them, Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of unclear because it's alluded to that this whole operation was thrown together last minute, and I think they basically got all the scientists that were willing to try anything, Mm -hmm. threw them in a bunker, somewhere far away from, like, all the important bunkers in Washington, D.C. and stuff, and just say, have fun. And then they gave them a military detail of, assumedly, the soldiers they were willing to let die. <laughs> uh, because it's basically a suicide bunker. But, long story short, the person who was in charge when they left on this helicopter trip, uh, the four people we named earlier, John, uh, McDermott, Sarah, and Miguel, died. Major Cooper. And so now, this other guy, Rhodes, is in charge. And Rhodes is the definition of the last person who should be in charge. He should not have any power. Both because he immediately comes off as, like, unhinged and, like, violent. Very much so. But I don't know if you read it this way, but I read it that, like, there was someone probably in charge before Major Cooper. Because we learned, what, five, six people had died already at that point? Yeah, quite a few. I think it was five. Yeah. Um, Essentially including Major Cooper. And so, like, you it's just this feeling like things are just progressively getting worse and worse. And so what the majority of the movie is is the tension between the military side and the civilian side. Because Rhodes is like, I'm in charge now. I don't know why we're doing all this science bullshit. All I know is five of my men have died. We're running out of bullets. We're running out of supplies. I want to blow this popsicle stand and just leave. Leave. Yeah. That's it. And... Basically, the whole film is this slow escalation of the tension between Rhodes that he's, like, leading with his buds against Sarah, who's kind of, like, the head of the civilian side. It's like, scientist yeah. civilian. And then the two kind of wild cards in this whole situation are John and McDermott, who are just kind of neutral and are, like, yeah, they're there. They have a contract to be there. They're, the again, the helicopter guy and the radio guy. So they have a job to do, and they just want to do their job, but they don't believe in all the science stuff. Mm-hmm. And the other wild card, and probably the wild is the emphasis here, is a, basically the mad scientist character. And they call him Frankenstein, but his yeah. name's Logan. He's a fucking maniac. And he is very specifically doing very practical experiments with, like, zombie behaviors. Yeah. And, like, training them. Versus Sarah, who's trying to do... Like, find a cure or a way to reverse Like, it. blood work and stuff. But, yeah, basically, things escalate how you think. It gets super... Super nihilistic. Yeah. And I, I think that's where I want to leave this description. Yeah. And we'll have some spoilers 
I think later on because there's a couple things we want to mention. I don't know if we even want to talk about it. We'll see. Yeah, that's what I don't know if we want to mention that because that is something that I wasn't expecting. All right, so maybe we won't mention things, but we will see. But that that's kind of roughly what happens. It's the setup of there's a bunch of characters in a cave and how they bounce off of each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good lead up into the fact that I really like this movie. I've said I think it's probably my favorite Romero zombie movie because at least for me, if I'm talking about the best zombie movies ever, there's a pun- bunch of different types of zombies. But like I think the most accurate zombies are the Romero zombies because like he invented zombies. It's fair. So it only seems fair. And out of like Romero zombie films, especially his OG trilogy, Dawn is my favorite. I think it's so good. You mean Day? Day, yeah. You said Dawn. I know yeah, what I, I said. I know what you mean. But yeah, Day is probably my favorite. It's It's so good. But I think the thing that bothers a lot of people with this film, and I think definitely contributes to why Dawn is a favorite for a lot of people, is that most of the movie is like a character drama. Yeah. Like people just yelling at each other. But it's so good. And getting into arguments. But it's just very well done. I don't know what you thought about it. No, it's it's so good. It's just great over-the-top emotions uh, combined with well-written like soliloquies. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I could tell, a lot of the people in this film are stage-trained, and it that comes explains off. It. Like, that's just how they got their starts, so a lot of them really... It's very over-the-top style of acting from a lot of these guys, but it, I think it just really works with a lot of the high emotion and tension in this film. The only, I think, issue we have is some of the characters are just almost too over-the-top. Yeah, some of the characters are super unlikable, but they're supposed to be. But that's the thing, they're supposed to be. And I think the good examples of this are Steel. God, he sucks. And what's his friend? Um, Rickles. Rickles, who are just like the cackling hyenas of the military ops. Yeah, it's like it's like Rhodes' scar, and they're the hyenas. <laughs> well, not even a charismatic scar. Like No, not even charismatic, just evil. Uh, rabid scar. Yeah. And I think that's another complaint people have with this, is that I personally think the out of the civilian characters, John, McDermott, and Sarah are all great. Yeah, they're great. John probably has the most characterization out of a non-main character. Sarah's probably the main character. Yeah. And McDermott's there. He's there, but he's so I good. love him. He's so funny. He's so great. Every time something goes bad, he just goes, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. He's just a very stereotypical alcoholic Irishman who's just like, the world's going to shit. Gonna enjoy myself while doing my job. Yeah, it's so good. Constantly has this flash, just drinking brandy. But, like, all those characters are great. Fisher's kind of there. He doesn't get a lot of lines because he's not necessarily important, but I do like his scenes. Yeah, his scenes are good. And Logan's just the mad scientist. He's fucking insane. But, like, all those characters are very good, and they're well characterized. But then all the military characters are just the worst. Yeah, they're very one-dimensional dickwads. Uh, Miguel has some more... Miguel has some stuff. Characterization, but he also kind of sucks. He also sucks. And while I think that's an issue for a lot of people to have like a lot of the characters in a film not be enjoyable to watch, like on screen. Yeah. I thought it really fit the situation because these are basically a bunch of military guys shoved into what is essentially a death trap and have been assumedly working here for months, trapped underground, unable to leave. And have been slowly watching, like, their brothers in arms, like, their best friends die. Mm-hmm. And while a lot of the performances from the military characters, like Steel and Rickles and Rhodes especially, are just super over-the-top in the most, like, batshit way. Very offensive. <laughs> well, no, I'm just thinking, like, Bob's talking about some offensive language. 
I'm more referring to like some of Rhodes' acting is super like over the top, like. Yeah, but I think that works completely because it's such a high-strung situation. Right, but I think it I think it fits like really well because all these characters I feel like are unhinged because in the, they're in the later stages of like mental breakdowns for sure. Because well, the science characters are seem to be handling it a lot better, except for Mad Scientist Logan. They're also in less stressful situations. They don't have to deal with the zombies. Yeah, they're not the like ones that. out there wrangling them and shit, bringing in the specimens for the doctor. And so I, I thought that was just worth mentioning that like these characters are such assholes, but it, I think it works. I think it also like feels better to have because like giving. I don't want to say they're. I don't know how to say this without really spoiling stuff. Basically, in this movie, there's a sense of good and evil, or a good, good and bad. Yeah, I, I would almost argue it's less of a sense of good and bad, although you are meant to, like, support one side. It's more of a differencing, like, opinions on this situation. Yeah, I just, I feel like th- we didn't see this in either of the other Romero films. There's no, like, there's no, like, protagonist, antagonist. It's always protagonist, zombies are the antagonist. In this, there's protagonist, antagonist, and then zombies. Yeah. And then the how the zombies interact with three, these three groups is really interesting. And I think having them split like that also helps it like feel feel better when people live or die. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, this ex-military person died, and we don't like them, so fuck them. That's exciting. Or, oh no, John! Like, shit like that. It makes you feel more invested in everyone, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's just a lot more... The characters feel a lot more weighted in yeah. this film than any they other. Do. Even the characters, like, I think the characterization in uh, Dawn is great with, like, uh, Peter and all them. But yeah. But they're just... Even though they're more likable than, say, Steel, Steel feels more characterized in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Yeah. Oh, that's another good thing to talk about here. Do you have anything you want to talk about specifically? We haven't really talked about uh, any of the practical war stuff yet. All right, you want to move on to that? Unless there's anything else you want to talk about specifically about characterization stuff. I don't think so. I think everyone does a good job. I think the overacting while there works. Yeah, I agree. So I think we can go into practical effects because I think that's a a great place to talk about. Although I do want to mention Mad Scientist Logan. A plus there on just absolutely losing it. Dude. He's like a less uh, charismatic version of Herbert West. Yeah. That's like the closest thing I can liken it for Bob. He's also just like, it's such a, he's so good at acting so insane, but only slightly to where the people in the room, like he talks circles around roads. He's because he's not afraid of him like everyone else is. He's rational, but he's lost it. And it is so interesting to watch the slow progression of he's talking circles around Rhodes in this meeting and being like, you have to let us continue our research, blah, 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 blah. And then about, I don't know, 45 minutes later, he's fucking sitting at his desk, like twitching, freaking out. Yeah. And it's such like an escalation and it's so good. But I think what makes the acting there so well done is it's not like oh, this character's gone mad in this scene. It's like, no, the character was always like that. We're just seeing through his mask. Yeah. All right, uh, practical stuff. Man. I mean, we talked about the zombies. They're they great. They look fantastic. The gore. Pretty yeah, great. Man. It's fucking crazy. Pretty, pretty great. The I don't want to spoil some stuff. I don't either. Because there's, there's a limited amount of kills in this mm-hmm. movie. Just because there is straight up a limited amount of characters. Yeah. Uh, we talked about the fact that it's kind of established that there's 12 humans in this film, and that's th- it. That could be all the humans in the, the world. Yep. So you're not getting more than that at, like, most. You get some good zombie kills, though. You get good zombie kills, but it's not the same, you know? Yeah, it's not the same. However, the gore stuff looks great. It looks so fucking So wild. good. I do know for a fact they used, like, actual pig guts 
for some of the scenes. That would explain some of it, yeah. Which is why some of the stuff looks so realistic. And there was a there was a couple good gut like falling out stuff. Oh yeah. And Bob is going, "Oh yeah," cuz he almost vomited a I couple of times. Came real close a couple of times. One of the last uh gut scenes, uh, you actually grabbed the trash can and were gagging. Yeah. There's also some eyeball stuff that really had me going for a second, like, "Oh, goddamn." There is two specific kills I want to talk about because I think there's really really well done. The issue here being that I don't want to spoil things too much. Fair enough. So, what I'm going to do here as spoiler warning guys. Hello everybody. This is Future Bob coming at you to let you know that if you do not want any major spoilers for this movie, please skip to 47 minutes and 53 seconds immediately. Once again, that's 47 minutes and 53 seconds immediately. But while I'm going to talk about them, I'm not going to name names. I think that's fair. Sure. I'm yeah. just going to like reference the, the actual kill themselves. Sure. Yeah, that works. So that way you don't know like what character even if you want to listen to my thoughts before watching the film or whatever. But the two ones I want to mention is, A, the last kill of this movie is super impactful. So good. Both because it starts off with this, like, super good reference uh, to the cold open yeah. with a bunch of zombie hands. Uh, but it's followed by probably one of the most brutal dismemberments in the entire franchise. It is fucking gnarly. This guy gets ripped in half and his guts are just pulled out. Everywhere. Everywhere. And the whole time, this character is screaming choke on them. Yep. Which is both such a hard line. It's so fucking cool. But also the most horrific thing possible. Yep. Because he's fully conscious. And screaming. And screaming. And <sighs> what I want to mention here is something I know about like behind the scenes for practical effects here. Oh, okay. Uh, which is why I'm specifically bringing up this kill. And that's the fact that they use pig guts in mm. this scene. Okay. Which are already kind of gross. But apparently they shot a lot of this in Florida. Yeah. Before they shot that scene, apparently someone had unplugged the refrigerator. Oh. And so all their pig guts went rancid. Oh. And so this whole take, this final death, took about four hours. And the whole time they had to use rancid pig guts. And apparently it was the worst smelling thing imaginable. That's putrid. I've seen a little bit of the behind the scenes footage. And I, I've heard some of the, the actors talk about it. Uh, specifically the guy who plays Rhodes. Who's like, I can still smell it to this day. But there's a God bunch of footage damn. of the actor who plays Rhodes just like gagging. And all the zombies just trying to like wave off all the smells. Because apparently it was so bad. Like oh my God. hours in the Florida hot sun bad. Fuck um, that. So I just wanted to mention that because, like, this kill looks really great. Like, really, 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 really good. Really good. It's one of the ones that oh, I, I almost fucking up chucked. That's hard. the one where Bob almost, almost threw up. But so hard to shoot. And I think it's important to mention that because, like, sometimes it's, it hurts to get art. And this yeah. is one of those times. Holy shit. However, that is not the kill in this film that sticks out the most to me. I think it's really good. It's very good. Uh, it's probably the most iconic the other kill I want to mention, because I think it's, like, super horrifying. Oh, God. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is it the one with the... Yeah. Yeah. So, oh. that one that one got me. What Bob just mimicked is there's a character that gets uh, tackled by a bunch of zombies. Yeah. It's it's Bob. That's the character. We decided it was Bob. <laughs> you decided. I you didn't... literally said it was you. <laughs> no, I did. You did. No, I did. 
<laughs> I don't think I clipped the line where you said that one. That's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you didn't. Because uh, you can't. But <laughs> <laughs> that's Bob's character. Anyways, Bob gets tackled, and basically he gets, you know, starting to get ripped apart. He's getting ripped apart. And it's a pretty standard thing. Uh, like we said, there's a lot of gut stuff. So, like, mm-hmm. they start ripping his guts apart. There's one thing that happens in this kill that I think is so horrific and such an attention to detail mm-hmm. that it bears mentioning. And that is the fact that while they're ripping apart, like this dude, they grab his head and they pull it off. Yep. I know you thought that was gross, right? Especially because when they pull off the head, it starts moving. He's, he's start, his mouth is still going. Do you think that's what I'm talking about as like the worst part of this? No. Because it's not. No, that's the part that fucked me up the most. That's though. the part that probably fucked Bob up the most. I think the worst part of this entire kill is the guy screaming the whole time. Yep. And as they start ripping off his neck, like his head... It stretches his vocal cords, mm-hmm. and his voice goes from regular to high pitch because that's what happens when you stretch your vocal cords. And you can see them hanging out the bottom of his neck and after they pull his head off. It's probably my favorite kill in the whole film just because it's so not only brutal, but it's a t- attention to detail Yeah, of just like like actual physiology mm-hmm. that is so horrifying Oh yeah, that I, I just think it's right on the money for a good example of like oh. gore that is scary. Yeah. Cuz that is stuff of nightmares. Mm, like, I think the I think the last one got me is the stuff of nightmares. I don't know. Man. That one to me is like the super thing-esque. That's fair. Like no, that's John very Carpenter's fair. The thing. Yeah. It's just it's body horror, I guess is the best way to put mm-hmm. it. But yeah, those are those are the two kills I want to talk about. Do you have any other things uh, with like practical effects you want to talk about now that we're kind um, of over those kills. Well, actually, well, that's a spoiler though. I'm gonna give this as loose as possible. Spoiler warning. I I can introduce this part because I know what you're gonna intro. No, no, okay. no, not that. Never mind. The oh yeah, yeah, because that's cool. And I think that so, I'm gonna I guess spoiler warning now. So you we'll know, try to keep it loose. It's I'm not gonna mention names or anything, but I'm just gonna say what you know. Well, exactly what's cool about this. I can thing. intro this in a non-spoiler way if you think so. Yeah, go uh, for it. A character gets injured. Yeah, that's. <laughs> Straight up gets injured, and do you want to go ahead and talk about it? Yeah, and they're they're like, look, the only way he's gonna survive this is if we cut it off. So there's a really really good scene where they cut someone's arm off and it and carterize it, and it looks so good. And you mentioned it when we were talking about it, but you can see the bone on the inside of the ring mm-hmm. where just he gets carterized. The detail, yeah, and I really appreciate that, and like the blood on it and everything, it's just very good. Also, like when they're cutting off the hand, I don't know if you saw the hand was moving. Yeah, because they have someone like sticking their hand out of the ground. Mm-hmm. All just great stuff. Good yeah. examples of just fantastic practical effects in this film. And another thing we haven't talked about here, again, slight spoiler warning. Sorry, we keep having these. Logan, as we said, is like a mad scientist, and what he's dealing with here is like trying to figure out zombie behaviors. And, like, why they work and how to, like, control their behaviors. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of what we see him doing is experimenting on zombies. And we see a couple different zombies that he has torn apart. Oh, I just want to mention there's one that we see. I think it's the first zombie we see him experimenting on. And I just want to mention it because, like, the head is messed up. Oh, yeah. And I, again, have seen some behind-the-scenes stuff for this specific zombie. And I know like super cool like thing where they're going an extra mile for production stuff is like they have a guy and his head is at like a 90 degree angle going back like sticking through this table so they can like have a fake head oh my god and i i think that's super relevant to what we were just talking about 
mm-hmm. uh, with that injury because, like, cool example of going that extra mile to achieve an effect. Mm-hmm. Super cool. All right. Anything else on practical effects? I think I have one last thing I really want to talk about. Yeah, I don't. I want to talk about it too because it's real good. But I don't. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna keep talk it about it. Pretty vague. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about it. Keep it vague. But I, th- I think we do need to talk about this because it's probably the most well-known part of this movie. It's my favorite part of this movie for anyone who like knows a little bit about it. So uh, at this point, go watch it. Because yeah, if you don't want something spoiled, because I I think it was a pretty shocking thing for you. Yeah, dude, I was not expecting um, it. So, I think it it's what makes this movie so interesting to yeah. me. Yeah, and um, it has to do with Logan's experiments. Mm-hmm. So I'm just gonna come out with it, right? You yeah, sure. That? We can talk about it. We just gave him a big spoiler. Go watch it. Yeah, if you don't want anything else spoiled. All right, Logan has speci- been specifically trying to train zombies uh, and like train their behaviors so that he can control them and keep them from like attacking people yeah that's kind of his thing he's coming at the whole zombie apocalypse from the idea of we can't cure it can't get rid of the zombies so we might as well try and civilize them Mm -hmm. which is crazy people talk but it's also kind of ingenious in its own way yeah like none of what he is doing is innately helpful no but it's cool but it's so cool and he's had one huge success it's a zombie named Bub. I think he might be my favorite character in the entire film. I don't know if I'd say he's my favorite. He's definitely my favorite zombie. Oh, by far. By far. Because we get to see a bunch of Bub. And I think one of the interesting things here is Bub was originally, um, from what I could tell, a small part. But the actor who plays him did such a good role. He's really good. Playing him as, I, I can best describe him as like almost like a child. Yeah. Like he still has that whole uh, Romero zombie thing where like, he vaguely seems aware of his past mm-hmm. and, like, who he was. But that mixed with a weird toddler, like, understanding of everything and inability to grasp fine motor skills. Mm-hmm. But there's just a lot of scenes in this film that are focused on exploring this idea that, like, Bub is almost a trained, civilized zombie. Yeah. And they use him and his interactions with Logan to explore the idea that, like, the zombies are... You know, dead people, but they were once people, and now they're just, like, lesser versions of us. And it's really cool, and it's just a—it's such a unique part of this film. It's insane. Like, it's so fucking cool. It humanizes something that is not normally humanized. And something that we've been watching for the past two movies, people annihilate. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say that it's done in a very different way than Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. That also has— uh, sentient zombies mm-hmm. um, because this feels a lot more I don't want to say realistic but more tonally relevant to uh, Romero's style but it also like it also becomes relevant when you look at the idea that Logan is trying to solve the zombie problem by not uh, getting rid of the zombies which is not something that I've ever thought about like it's such a, a trope in zombie media to just be like yeah kill them they're not people kill them but this is a completely different spin on of they're not people but maybe we can try and help them. Well, help is the wrong word. Ha- not help, but like... Deal with them? Deal with them in a non-murderous way. A yeah. non-violent way. Which Although, is not something I've seen. <laughs> maybe Logan isn't the best example of non-violence. <laughs> well, that's true. But yeah, I just... I It's such a cool fucking take. And it, it made the movie for me. Oh, yeah. I j- want to mention this here now. Bob straight up, like, cried. <laughs> I, Bob At made some me point cry. in this point. In this movie. So I think that's worth mentioning, and it's why I wanted to bring up this whole thing. He he said, I'm tearing up, and I looked over at him. Like, I thought he was joking. 
Nah, there was tears in his eyes. No, I cried. Okay. Bub made me cry. I think we can go back to regular stuff now. Yeah. Yeah, we're back. Uh, I, I don't think I have any other, like, specific things I want to talk about in this film, like, spoiler-wise. No, I don't either. There is one last discussion here I want to have, and that is some of the cool information we learned in this film and how that has to do with maybe some continuity stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to bring that up. First of all, like, offhanded line pretty early on in the film, and I think this is a good establishment of, like, how messed up the situation is, but Logan mentions offhand that the zombies outnumber everyone, like, 400,000 to, to one. one. It's crazy. Which is absolutely crazy, um, and I just wanted to mention that uh, because, A, it shows how, like, fucked this situation is. Oh, and yeah. how hopeless. But because I think it leads into this next cool fact we learned in the film, and I don't know if you picked up on it, but Logan's talking about how long zombies last. And, like, one of my favorite things about, like, modern zombie media, like with the undead-style zombies, is that they're dead, right? So they're rotting. Mm-hmm. And um, while I'm not a big fan of The Walking Dead, I just never could get into the TV show. One of the coolest things I've seen from that show is that as the seasons progress, the zombies are rotting away. Yeah, they get worse. And they become more, like, black rotting and stuff. And there's this real weird, like, kind of throwaway line, but I think it's super cool. And Logan mentions how long these zombies will last. I don't know if you heard it. I didn't catch that. Um, but I think it's so cool because it's, like, this moment of, well, maybe we could, you know, just outlast them, you know? Like, we can survive longer than the zombies, and then they'll all rot away. And it's this offhanded line that kind of gets rid of that problem where he goes, if someone's like turned right after they die, the zombie will last like 10 to 12 years. Oh, and if they were left a couple hours after they die before they were turned, it's like six to seven. I just wanted to bring that up because I thought that was a really cool like in universe thing. That's like, oh, yeah, not only is there a ton of zombies, but we can't just wait. Yeah, they're just going to be there for a while. And I did want to mention that. But the other thing I want to mention, and we were talking about this, I think the whole last half of the film, is how the zombie whatever works. I think it's an yeah. infection. We talked about that quite a bit because the movie. they talk about it being an infection in Dawn of the Dead, in the radio. And it's heavily implied it's probably biological, like an infection in this one. Yeah. Especially from the fact that Sarah is... Doing blood work and stuff. Doing blood work and stuff. But what we were really talking about is that in Night of the Living Dead... It's implied that, like, just anyone who dies comes back. Come be- comes back. Yeah. And it's talked about that, like, it's caused by radiation and whatever, which is a plot point that's kind of abandoned and dawn. Yeah. And I've talked about how I don't think necessarily the timeline for night lines up exactly. Fair enough. Like, the timeline lines up, but not the exact, like, circumstances behind the ghouls. Yeah. Because uh, they're ghouls in that film and not zombies. And um, what we really got into a discussion about was whether or not if you died— you would come back as a zombie yeah. if you weren't bitten before you died. Long story short, because it's implied both ways, I think, throughout the series. Yeah. And I think the conclusion I came to for this film was that if you died and you weren't bitten, you didn't come back. Yeah, I think that's what is established. Because, spoilers. Uh, don't say the character name, but no, we see a character. Somebody dies. Who dies. Not by zombie. Not by zombie. He hasn't been bitten. Yep. And we're, he didn't get, from what we could tell, like, brained. Yeah. So, he is viable to come back. And we see his corpse, well, an indeterminate amount of time later. Quite I, a while later. Quite a while later. And he still is a corpse. Yep. And, yeah. I, I mean, I think that answered it for me. Mm-hmm. Same. You have to be bit to come back as a zombie. Which I think is very interesting. I mean, that's pretty classic. It's very classic, but it's not the way it worked in Night. 
but not the way it worked in night and you said there's some implications that that's not how it worked in dawn it don't either because the uh even though it's implied to be an infection yeah they um in the very beginning of dawn when they're in the radio station all yelling about stuff one of the dudes is talking about how the dead are getting out of their graves and like walking the streets and yeah stuff. but that could have been a uh over exaggeration yeah for sure all right, uh, that's kind of like the last thing I want to bring up there with those zombie stuff. Yeah. Because I think it's all pretty cool. It's all very cool. The zombies are so much more fleshed out now. Like, you could really see the evolution throughout mm-hmm. this whole series going from ghouls, which aren't really zombies, to uh, dawn zombies, which are just pretty classic feeling. Yeah. To um, the zombies in this film, which really feel like the dawn zombies fleshed out and turned formally into something that's really reminiscent of Romero. Yeah. Who... You figured out his style is very, I don't know, I don't want to use the word deep, but it's, there's usually an underlining tone Yeah, that the film is focused on. There is. And his zombies seem to exemplify that. They're people, but there's some mm-hmm. There's some substance there, there that you don't really get in a lot of other modern zombie media. All right, you want to do recommendations, I guess? Sure. Unless you have anything else to talk about? No, I have not- nothing else I want to talk about unless you want me to start spitting spoilers. Nah. I didn't think so. <laughs> We already got that weird spoiler section where we talked about some stuff, so, you know. Yeah, you'll probably have to figure that out. I will, and I will in the edit. It'll be fine. All right. Recommendations. You've seen Night and Dawn. You haven't seen this one. What are you doing? Go watch Day of the Dead. It's so fucking cool. Highly recommend if you're into that. If you're into zombie movies, this is a phenomenal zombie movie. Like, I I straight up can't think of one that's better. Like, I, I'm struggling in my brain, and I'm going... Have I seen a better zombie movie? The answer is no. This is fantastic. So there's that. If you want something that is is a zombie film, but is also a very heavy character drama, really good for that. Because, like Ben was saying, a lot of this movie doesn't really have... There are zombies in it, but they are not the focus. They're like... The the cool part of this film is watching the zombies interact with the two different groups of people. Yeah. The and, zombies are the background. Yeah. So it, seeing them put in this high-stress situation... And having these characters have to interact in this in the situation where they're stuck, super good. Yeah, it's basically a cabin fever movie. Yeah, if you want to see uh, a movie set in a cool underground setting, I think the the setting in this is super cool and super interesting. Super uncommon. Like it's an underground bunker with like some cave systems and stuff and some different areas. There's uh, <laughs> what do they call it? The Ritz. You can visit the Ritz down there. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's basically uh, John and McDermott's house. Yeah, which is out in the cave. <laughs> it's pretty nice. You're into practical effects for blood, guts, and gore in any way. It's phenomenal. A plus. Like, so fucking cool. For human practical effects. For human practical effects, holy fuck. It's awesome. I don't think I have any more. I think All that's right. it. Didn't do a lot of similar ones, as always, but uh, if you're a fan of Romero and you want to see, like, Romero zombie film, this is probably it, I, I think. I mean, um, Night is definitely more popular, and I love Night of the Living Dead. Night's great. It's a great film. But it's not really, like, the zombie film for me. I think I've said it before, but, like, for zombie films, this is it. Um, Especially for, like, Romero zombie films. So if you're a fan of Romero, you haven't seen this film, especially if you're a fan of the Dead series, go watch it. Plus, zombie films. So if you're a big fan of zombie films, this one's really, really good. Additionally, if you're a fan of, like, character dramas, because that's really what this is. Zombies are the background. The characters are the foreground. Um, But very specifically, if you want to see, like, a character drama that focuses on, like, the military mm-hmm. and its interactions with, like, a more civilian, like, bureaucracy. It's great. We talked about the crazies on the show, and I've talked about how I thought the best part of that film was the 
military scenes and all the bureaucracy and like yelling back and forth. Mm-hmm. And that's like what the majority of this film is. It's literally the whole thing, basically. But done a lot better. Mm-hmm. And it, it it's really great if that's something you are looking for. Practicals, great in this. You want to see some good like human monster practical effects, look no further. And then um, finally, you know, besides the general recommendation of seasons of good characters or some characters you hate, love uh, McDermott and John. Great, yeah. like, buddy team. They're so good. But my last recommendation is for a unique setting. We, I've seen caves in horror movies before. There's some really great cave horror movies. But I really haven't seen anything like this. This is, like, the mix between a cave and a bunker. Yeah. And it's just so unique because it's neither and both at the same time. There's literally a giant wall that's completely, like, unfinished, made of rocks in the middle of the bunker with a water fountain sitting in front of it. Yeah. Like, it's so refined yet unfinished at and the same time. And it's so cool because it's you know that's, like, real. Yeah. And so if that setting seems, like, unique to you and, like, the constraints around it and, like, how that affects, like, the tone of the film, check it out because it, it's so cool. That's all I got for recommendations. Ratings. Go, Bob. Uh, I mean... We know what you're going to rate it. Uh, Go ahead. One. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Five. It's so fucking cool. It's so... I, I can't get over how cool this movie is. Were you expecting to like Dawn better? No. No? No, I wasn't. Did I, I hype you up enough? <laughs> no, I, you just talked about how you like this one so much more. And like, I understood that like... So here's my thing about this movie. And I wanted to say this during the film, but I didn't. So I'll save it for right now where I'm reviewing it, yeah. talking about how good it is. What this film does that is so goddamn cool is it took Romero made Night of the Living Dead before zombies were like a cultural thing. Yeah. He then he made Dawn after they had become a thing and they were around. There were other zombie films at the time, correct? Right? So then he took all the cultural zeitgeist of zombies that he created, basically, and then refined it into the I don't want to say perfect. But the closest thing I'm going to say to a perfect zombie film, he took the cultural zeitgeist of a zombie and refined it down into its pure essence and then stuck it in a bunker. It's so fucking awesome. Yeah, he slapped his style all over it. It's so good. The characters are good. The acting is good. The drama's great. The kills are awesome. The practicals are amazing. I, If you are a fan of zombie films and you haven't watched this one, you, what you're missing out like this is like I I said this during night because I hadn't seen this yet. This is now th- this might be my favorite zombie film of all time. Like on God, like it's so good, and it does so much interesting, cool shit that you don't expect. So it's not derivative of other zombie stuff, right? It feels fresh, but also n- like classic. old and comforting and classic all at the same time. It's so good. I cannot recommend this enough. Like actually, fair. It's awesome. All right, gonna give it a five as well. Um, I think, like Bob said, it's it's really, really good. And it's hard to say more about films like this because they are so good. But generally speaking, I mean, it's set out to be a zombie film. But, like, one focusing on, like, the end times where, like, the apocalypse has reached not even the peak but has, like, gone beyond that, po- past the point of no return where it's hopeless. And the film achieves that. Like, the opening establishes the fact that, like, this is this is past the point of no return. There's no one. Like, it's 12 people in a bunker. That could be the whole world. And it hits that nihilistic tone running, and it just goes for it. And so right there, it'd be a three. But the fact that this film then has, like, this... I I don't even want to call it, like, a subplot, but just this plot of 
how characters in this situation would like react to all this stress and like fight amongst themselves as like this main focus for the entire film in the background for like all the zombie stuff is just like going above and beyond what this film has to do to like be a zombie film. I think that really escalates it up there for me, especially because like the zombie stuff we do see, A, doesn't feel like is being overwhelmed by the character stuff. In fact, it feels like it's enhanced by the character stuff. Uh, but more importantly, the zombie stuff is just like super good. It looks great. The violence is over the top in the best way possible. Mm -hmm. uh, but also we get to learn more about the zombies of this world. And it just feels like they're fleshed out in a way that the previous two films lacked. Because these zombies just build upon all the stuff Romero has learned. Mm -hmm. uh, and society has built with him. I do want to say though that like while I really, really love this film and I'm, I'm giving it a five. It's not for everyone. Definitely not for everyone. Like while I highly recommend it, I know that like this heavy character style with like over the top characters, well, I think really fits the tone and the attitude is maybe not what everyone's gonna enjoy from like a zombie film. Fair enough. I, I think that is important to note, even though I think it works super well with what Romero was going for. Okay. <sighs> On that note, we're gonna go to the outtakes. There, there are a lot of outtakes in this one. Yeah. Mark, it's a lot of laughing for but, real. Yeah. <laughs> It's a lot of just cackling. Yeah, I think there's so going to be a couple of takes that are just like, this is us seeing this, and then cackles. Yeah, so many good moments. So have fun with that. We'll be back in a second. Yeah, we'll see you guys in a second. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the outtake section for this episode of Where the Board. I hope you're enjoying our review of Day of the Dead so far. I think it's by far my favorite of the three movies in Romero's original Dead trilogy. I think it's creative. I think it's fun. The practical effects are absolutely amazing. But if you do not want any spoilers for this movie, please skip to 1 hour, 16 minutes, and 41 seconds immediately. This first clip is Ben and I's reaction to the cold open of this film. Dark, eerie music. I hate when, like, subtitles spoil things. <laughs> Spoiled the dark, eerie music. <laughs> How are you supposed to know the atmosphere? This person just sitting in a concrete room with a calendar? Yes. Okay. What month do you think it is? June. Not like October? No. A horror month? Fuck, it is October. <laughs> well, that was unnecessarily <laughs> scary. I'm surprised you didn't scream at that. No. I thought you would have screamed at the hands. No, it did scare me, though. Ugh, I love this movie. Where are we? Are we in a helicopter again, Romero? Yeah. This next clip is my reaction to seeing the zombies in this film for the very first time. <gasps> Bob, it's a person. They're coming. Oh. My. God. It's pretty great, right? That guy's tongue is just... Yeah. Holy fuck. That's what you have to look forward to in this movie. Look at this guy. Whoa. Oh, there's a spider on his arm. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Did not like that spider. <laughs> Is that a zombie alligator? No, Please just tell a regular me. alligator. Okay. Just a normal alligator, no zombie gators. Just a standard mud puppy. 
This next clip is Ben and I's reaction to Logan doing something really fucking funny and giving Bub a gun. <laughs> Bub just cocked the gun! <laughs> <laughs> I love that he just goes to shoot Rhodes! <laughs> he really doesn't like Rhodes. <laughs> he didn't salute back. He didn't salute back! He, he would have shot him! It's not loaded, Bub. No, he's Sorry. dead. <laughs> He's confused. <laughs> oh man. This next clip is Ben and I's reaction to things starting to get out of hand with these zombies. Oh. Oh fuck, the thing broke. Oh shit. Somebody help him. Oh. Oh, and he shot the other guy. Yep. And killed him. Okay. The girl's lost his shit. Oh, and he got bit too. Oh, it went bad fast. This next clip is Ben and I's reaction to them trying to amputate Miguel's arm to see if it'll save him from the zombie bite. Oh, is she going to try the arm amputation? Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's going to work. Oh! Oh, Miguel. I'm sorry, buddy. Well, he's, he passed out. I know, but it still sucks. <laughs> Pads out's the wrong word. He's knocked out. Oh! The sidebar. The fucking slide and scrape. Help them, McDermott. Help! He's trying. I think he was just like, oh my god. <laughs> I would have been like, oh my god, too! <laughs> oh, he is bleeding out. Yep. Sarah. It's actually not how you make a tourniquet. What well, is it is. But uh, you're supposed to put, like, a stick in there and twist it to get it extra tight. Yeah. Oh, she's just going to... Yep. That has to hurt. He's going to feel that in the morning. He's going to feel that right now. It's better than bleeding to death. Yeah. Although he might be a one-armed zombie. We'll find out. Maybe. We'll see. It's very interesting. Oh! You can see the bone in the center. This next clip is Ben and I reacting to McDermott's catchphrase. <laughs> Third time he said that. Can that just be the name of the episode? Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. I'm okay with that. Me fucking too, man. This next clip is our reaction to Rhodes absolutely unloading into Logan. Holy shit. He just fucking annihilated Logan. This next clip is Ben and I reacting to Miguel being an absolute fucking mad lad. Oh no. Someone coming down? There's no way someone's coming down. Maybe it's help, Bob. Oh, what are you doing? Or maybe... Miguel, you fucking fool! Maybe it's Miguel doing something crazy as shit. That's his M.O. this whole movie. <laughs> Doing <laughs> stuff crazy as shit, yeah. This next clip is Ben and I's reaction to the zombies finally becoming a major issue and Sarah and McDermott doing their best. Nice nice little touch. You can see the zombies walking towards them in the background. Because mm -hmm. it's so black that... Ooh! Zombie arm coming out the ground. Oh, Lord, it's dark as fuck in here, bro. I can't see anything. 
Don't let McDermott get bit, though. No, that's a girl. Don't let Sarah get bit. Or I don't want either of them to get bit. I like them. Oh, yeah. The civilian characters are great. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's sick <laughs> as fuck. Oh. That's a really good half head. Oh. Bah. She's still, still alive? Oh. Holy shit. This next clip is what made me cry during this movie. It literally cannot get any worse for these people. Well, they're still alive. Rhodes is just fucking ditching them? On the slowest golf cart ever. Honestly, I would turn and sit in that doorway and just shoot as many as I could. Probably, but I, I don't know if they have any more clips. You know? They gotta have more ammo. I don't know about on them, though, you know? Yeah. Oh, things have gotten out of hand fast. Yep. Well, I think these people are coming from the barricade, you know? Yeah. Because they left that open on accident, too. Where did he just lock himself in? Uh, The military compound area, like where they sleep. Because it's all sealed off. I guess it's all... Bub's in here! Well, yeah, Bub's been in there. Bub's upset that he's dead! He's trying to show. He's trying to show him that he learned how to get free. That's so sad. Why is this about to make me cry? Oh my god. <laughs> Why are you actually like about to cry? Because it's so <laughs> sad. Look at how upset he is. God damn it. <laughs> Why are you actually tearing up? <laughs> Look at how sad he is! <laughs> this sucks. Are you actually crying? No. Yes, you are! I'm not crying. <laughs> Whoa, Bob saw the... <gasps> Bob saw the gun. Get him, Bub. This next clip is Ben and I's reaction to the death of Torres. Oh, these zombies are so grotesque. Like, look, look at that one. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the wedding dress one? Yeah. Oh, my God, Torres. There's, there's Torres, you. you're fucked. There's you, Bob. Oh, he's so fucked. Oh, uh, yep, there he goes. He's about to get uh, apart. Ready? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, they ripped his head right off. His jaw's still fucking moving! Holy shit! This next clip is our reaction to the death of Rickles. I'm gonna go ahead and give you a gag warning on this one. Bye, Rickles! Oh, God, what are they gonna do to him? Oh! 
Oh no, don't bite his fingers off. Uh. Oh my lord. That the eyeball pop. The eyeball. Uh. It's the eye stuff, man. <laughs> Steel, you fucking suck. I hope you die too. This next clip is Ben and I reacting to some of Logan's training with Bub actually paying off. That is might be the dumbest thing. Well, it got him in. It got him in, but now... It... <laughs> well, fuck Rhodes. That's mm. the only one who's in there. I guess that's true. Fuck him. Bub, Bub will be fine. Bub will be accepted by his people. <laughs> Bub might be a domesticated zombie, but at least he's still a zombie. Yeah. Bub might become their leader. I don't know if they have that much intelligence. I like the clown zombie. Do you see the ballerina? Yeah. There's another soldier. <laughs> Bub's got a gun! <laughs> Bub's shooting at him! Start blasting! This next clip is our reaction to Bub finally getting his chance for revenge. Rhodes is fucked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, Bub. You wanted to shoot him before, and now is your chance. You son of a bitch. It's a standoff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, he hit him! Hell yeah! This next clip is our reaction to Bub defeating Rhodes. You've been shot twice by a zombie. You what? suck. He's an ex-military zombie. Okay, fair. But this is a currently alive military man. Yeah. But <laughs> he's losing the fight. I I don't think all his marvels are there, you know? Fair enough. You know what's the, the worst part about this for Rhodes? What? I'm pretty sure he... <laughs> <laughs> Rhodes thinks he's being killed by the lone zombie in this whole base. Yeah. <laughs> Rhodes is like, God damn it, there was one. I couldn't get one. <laughs> he's so incompetent. He's insanely incompetent. It's awesome. How many more bullets does Bub have, though? Oh, there they are. Oh, Great that's shot. a good, like, uh... Oh, he hit him. He fucking shot him again. Uh, that's a good callback to that dream at the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. Put all the hands. Is he going to salute him? <laughs> oh, that's so fucking good. This next clip is our reaction to Rhodes getting ripped apart by the horde of zombies. I'm going to go ahead and give you another gag warning on this one. Oh, oh my God. He, they ripped him completely in half. I know, and I love Rhodes is still alive, just screaming choke on him. Oh, that was so gross. Oh, man. I thought you were going to vomit there for a second. I thought it was too. I didn't throw up, but I did cry. <laughs> Not for the reason you'd expect in a horror movie. <laughs> no. 
Oh. Did you see the spray all over the window? I saw. That was awesome. This last clip is my reaction to the very end of this film. It's his responsibility to make sure it's filled. Oh! What the fuck? <laughs> no! <laughs> what is going on? This is what we call an ending transition, Bob. Where are we and what is happening? Well, what was John's plan? <laughs> Go onto a beach somewhere on a small island. <sighs> no, I just thought... Okay. No, it's just the most what-the-fuck like ending transition ever. That made me mad. For like, I was pissed <laughs> for a that's second. Why it's there. Oh, I was thought it was all. I thought it was all going to be a dream. Hi everybody, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the outtakes. Probably a couple of us <laughs> just laughing our asses off, and McDermott going, "Jesus, Mary and Joseph." I think I specifically timestamped one where he just says, "Jesus, Mary and Joseph," and then we lose our shit because he does it every time something horrible happens. He says it a lot. He's a very stereotypical, like Irish Catholic kind. Yeah, of but guy. it's so good. Who's also an alcoholic, but yeah, that's separate. <laughs> Defining character trait right there. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> so, anyways, hope you like those. We do have some announcements today. They're pretty basic, though. The first announcement is, obviously, on Friday we're releasing a normal board episode, mm -hmm. so be here for that. Um, but our other announcement is we're continuing on with uh, convention prep stuff, and we're doing a movie that, well, we're doing two movies next week. Yep. And I think Bob's very excited for them. I am. I'm actually excited. Because he's loved every movie from this series no, we've seen. No, 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 no. Especially the third one. Uh, no. Today, on Saturday, we're going to be watching Halloween 4. Fuck yeah. And on Monday, we're going to be watching Halloween 5. Five. Four and five better be better than three. And hopefully better than... Well, nothing's better than Halloween 3. I hate, I, I'm not getting into this. <laughs> this is turning into a Joe Bob situation. Because Joe Bob also hates it. No. And um, so those are coming out. So look forward to those if you're interested. Aside from that, check us out wherever you get your podcasts. You know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, other online places. <laughs> we're also on YouTube. So that's, like, a great place to listen to us if you want to, like, just listen online. Like, just stream us or something on your computer. Um, but it's also a good place to support us uh, where we can, like, visibly see it. Um, so if you want to, like, subscribe and like our videos and all that stuff, that really uh, helps us feel good about what we're doing with a lot of our free time. <laughs> Most of our free, 100% <laughs> of my free time. What's also good about YouTube is it's great for communicating with us. Yeah. And it's not the only place you can communicate with us. Well, you can comment in the YouTube section and give us, like, recommendations for films and stuff. You can also communicate with uh, Bob, specifically, on Twitter. Um, that's a great place to talk to us uh, in general and just give us, like, YouTube recommendations or be like, hey, love your show. Just know that, like, Bob's a little slow and you got to walk him through, you know, really train him to, like, learn things and, like, how they interact with you guys. But don't worry. If you give him a little reward afterwards, Bob will be all for it. What am I like? <laughs> this is like a Pavlov's dog situation. Well, Pavlov zombie. Pavlov zombie. That's a good name for the episode, but we're not gonna call it that. We already have a name. Yeah, like Ben said, check us out on Twitter at Beware the Board. It's where I post updates about the show, information about the show. Basically, anything you need to know about the show goes on our Twitter account. 
On Mondays, I post a spoiler post for that week's worth of episodes, which is basically a movie cover hidden that you can reveal to see what movie you're watching that week and watch it before we do so that you don't get anything spoiled during the episode. It's really useful if you're like, you know, hey, they're watching this movie and I haven't seen it and I want to watch it. Watch it before we do and then you don't get any spoilers and then when we're real vague about stuff, you know exactly what we're talking about. Also on uh, the these episodes go live, whatever day that is, like, you know, we've been releasing episodes on Fridays, Saturdays, Mondays, Wednesdays, whatever day an episode comes out. Tuesdays. Tuesdays. Well, we haven't had Tuesdays yet. We get to Tuesdays, I think I might have to slow down a little bit. <laughs> We're going to have a week that is like every day. We did four in a fucking row on fa- the weekend of Father's Day. It was crazy. <laughs> thought I was going to die. Got to reach seven. No. Maybe one day. If I, had, if I didn't have a job, I could maybe do it. You can fix that today. Yeah, well. <laughs> uh... <laughs> But on a day an episode goes live, I post a link to it. So if you ever miss an episode, miss an upload, or wondering when something came out, there's always a link on our Twitter account. Check us out there. I think the last thing is TikTok. Check us out on TikTok. If you like short-form content, I post clips from the show on TikTok. I also post the ones I can on YouTube Shorts. They just have different requirements, so sometimes I can post them on TikTok, sometimes on TikTok, but not YouTube Shorts, and they're around too. Yeah, it depends on the length. Depends on the length. It just They have different requirements. It just depends. Uh, so if you're into short-form content and like the show, check out our TikTok. I've been posting clips from the show on there. Might have some more soon. We'll see. I haven't made any more, but I need to. But we're busy doing this extra content. <laughs> Ooh. It's currently uh, 1230 at night, and Ben needs to go home. Yeah. Um, on that note, though, we're going to go. So Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll see, see you guys see you next time. Next time.